Welcome back to Super Flexible Podcast. Just me this week, Swagzilla Zero G. I've got one sell for you, one buy. I've got a public nervous announcement, a value play, and a sleeper. Pretty quick show. We'll get through it really quick. Cut right into the sell, because this one pains me the most of anything that's going to happen on today's show. Mm, Maybe. It's close. It's close. Pains me, though. And that sell is Keenan Allen. And I already know what you're thinking. No way. Can't sell Keenan Allen. If you've been listening to me for a while, we've been buying Keenan Allen nonstop. But we were buying Keenan Allen at a time when he was really cheap and people were kind of giving up on him. We were buying him really when they thought Tyrod Taylor was going to be the starting quarterback. That was the value play. Now we need to fast forward. Take advantage of an opportunity that doesn't happen for us too much with a 29-year-old wide receiver who will be 30 years old this time when we're talking next year. And we're thinking he had such a great year last year. He's a target hog. That's not going away. Such a great route runner. That's not going away. And that great route running is definitely not going away. I I am with you. I love Keenan Allen this year. I do. But even on a contending team, I think we are ready to sell Keenan Allen. The targets now, we have to wonder if they're going to be there that greatly because he did have a heck of a lot of targets last year. I have to imagine, though, that Justin Herbert's going to spread that ball around quite a bit more. Mike Williams... We've got Palmer there, and then the add-in Jared Cook, a tight end that's primed and ready to go. That's no shade on Hunter Henry at all, but it just didn't really seem to pan out with him. And we all know that Keenan Allen was awesome last year, so that's not what this is about. But Keenan Allen has always been awesome. It just came attached with some shade for some reason, and now he gets Justin Herbert at the helm, and we love him. We love him at his... 29 age year and really last year if you start to really look at the numbers was maybe his worst season in a while in a few different areas outside of the targets and how huge of a target hog he was because he had 147 targets year before he had 149 but he also played two more games 147 targets is nothing to scoff at. I think that he's going to still get like 100, let's say 120 targets, 130. I think that's a good area for Keenan Allen to be. And really, it might even be closer to where they want him to be because you start to look at the numbers and even his snap counts. And last year, Keenan Allen had the lowest snap count that he's had in since some of his injured seasons. And it was at 74% versus the year before where it was at 88%. And, and the years before were higher, like 74%, 88%, 80%, 84%. I feel if I just throw these numbers out there, though, it gets more confusing, honestly. The important part is that it was the lowest snap count percentage that he's had in years. And while I don't at all think that number is going to go down anymore, I think that that's about where it's going to be. I think it's going to maintain within that area 70 75% snap share. For Keenan Allen, I think we can safely assume and that's a great snap share, but it has gone down. And then if we quickly take a look at his 
fantasy finish last year. He's wide receiver 19, which is great. But the year before, he was wide receiver 11, wide receiver 14 the year before that, and then a wide receiver 3. So we're seeing the regression that we should naturally see at this age for Keenan Allen. And honestly, even his catch rate went down last year from previous years. His yards per game went down from previous years. It's the lowest yards per game he's had in five, six years. Even Keenan Allen's longest play of the 2020 season was his shortest, longest play of his career. And that's outside of, I'm putting an asterisk on all of this for the 2016 season where he only played one game, so you know. But you take that that one game away from this scenario, and it's the shortest, longest play of his seasonal career. Not only that, and I think that this is kind of telling, and I know that the targets are there, especially in our PPR formats, to make up for some of this stuff. But as some of these targets start to go away... So not only that, but it was also his the lowest of his career in yards per reception at 9.9. Almost eclipsed 10, neither here nor there, the lowest of his entire career. And that's even with the asterisk mark season that I've given him for this conversation. So I love, love, love Keenan Allen. I just think it's time we give him a big old hug, kiss him goodbye, send him off to another team and get something while we still can because we know how this landscape works. We know that the the value is just not going to be there next year. Like what you can get to keep this competitive rebuild going this time next year is not going to help you like we can today. So that's why we need to be proactive while this trend is happening. Keenan Allen still has a great name attached to him. Maybe you attached him to that Herbert owner. You go see them. I don't know. There's moves to be made. I've tried a couple, mostly to no avail, to be honest with you. So I'll get back with you and let you know how I do with my Keenan Allen shares moving forward here. But one buy I have that I have been trying to move forward to, my buy for this show, is DJ Moore. And notice that said buy, not buy low. We're not trying to buy DJ Moore low. You should feel comfortable paying a decent amount for DJ Moore. That said, I do think that he's fairly priced. Maybe... I don't want to say as fair as it'll ever be, but I want to say maybe this will be as easy to acquire DJ Moore as it will ever be. The stink of Sam Darnold has wore off. Trying to add DJ Moore wherever I can. If I can add a little bit to Keenan Allen, our cell, I'd love to try to do that. One thing that made me kind of turn my head, I want to say maybe it is a little bit of a bargain, but again, we're not trying to buy low, but when you compare it to somebody like Terry McLaurin, who's done great, but so has DJ Moore. And I would argue that DJ Moore has done better. DJ Moore is also two years younger. The 24-year-old to the about to turn 26-year-old Terry McLaurin. You add in Curtis Samuel. I'm not trying to talk bad about Terry McLaurin, but I'm seeing Terry McLaurin go first in startup drafts. Trade calculators are showing more value to the Terry McLaurin side. ADP all over the board. I'm seeing Terry McLaurin ranked a little bit above DJ Moore. And I'm saying I am just as happy, if not happier, with DJ Moore. It's almost confusing to me when we really start to look at some of the numbers. I mean, outside of the targets, DJ Moore beat Terry McLaurin in almost every category. So DJ Moore's targets last year were 118 to Terry McLaurin's 134. But DJ Moore gets 1,193 yards with his 66 receptions 
to 1,118 yards, so a little bit less on 87 receptions. They both have only four touchdowns, which I think that number can go up for both of them. I I like both these players, to be clear. I'm just kind of digging into it and wondering why DJ Moore is a little bit below Terry McLaurin. And then you look at the yards per reception, DJ Moore with 18.1 to Terry McLaurin's 12.9. And there's one thing here, the 134 targets for Terry McLaurin was probably about on par with what it could be, give or take, because then you add in Curtis Samuel as well to this equation. Everybody thinks Antonio Gibson's going to get more targets. And then and then there's DJ Moore, who I know they add in Terrace Marshall, but then we get a new quarterback there. I think that I think that it's safe to, I, I like Sam Darnold at quarterback more than I like what Washington has going on. And I know that that's probably the controversial part of this. But let's say Sam Darnold does get you some better targets for DJ Moore. And they go up a little bit. Maybe they stay around that 118, but I think that both of these players could teeter between, like, let's say 120 and 150 in the targets. And from the efficiency standpoint, we're seeing how good DJ Moore does when he catches the ball. And that's what I think can go up. I think he'll get better targets. I think his catch percentage will go up. I, I want DJ Moore on my team. Um, I didn't really plan on going this far into this from a, a Terry McLaurin perspective. I do want to add, though, before the show, because obviously Terry McLaurin was on my head, I did try to make a move to get DJ Moore and a second for my Terry McLaurin, and that was rejected. Then I tried it for me to get DJ Moore and a third for Terry McLaurin, and that was rejected. And then I tried it just straight up, and that was also rejected. So while we are seeing these trends that I'm talking about, I did try it in a league that I'm in to no avail. So I'm going to keep trying and see what I can do. Needless to say, DJ Moore is still a buy to me. I'm not even saying Terry McLaurin's a sell, but DJ Moore's a buy to me. I think that there is a small glitch in the market that we could take advantage of here. So that's why I'm going in my leagues. I'm looking to see who has DJ Moore. I'm looking for some San Darnold and DJ Moore stacks. I don't think he's ever going to be this easy to obtain on your dynasty teams. Just go in there, throw some offers. Hit me up on Twitter if you're not sure what you think the offer might look like or feel like to somebody else. If you just even want to talk through it, DMs are always open. Swagzilla 0G. I'll definitely come and talk some trades with you. I, I, I love it. And But yeah, I, I'm willing to go out of my way to add some DJ more to my teams. Can't say that enough times. Broken record. But you look at Terry McLaurin and you look at DJ Moore and just their fantasy finishes over the last two seasons and it's it's DJ Moore. It's definitely DJ Moore. So 2019, he was wide receiver 21. 2020, he was wide receiver 18. Both years, 2020 and 2019, Terry McLaurin was wide receiver 24. So they're not like far apart, but the younger player that's finished better both seasons is being valued less by most people. Shout out to the, the guy that rejected all my trades because you are on point. I feel you. I, I I wanted you to accept my deals, obviously, for my team's sake, but it, it actually made me feel good inside that somebody felt the same way as me on this. So, man, now do I offer you more? What do I have to do to get DJ Moore from you? We may find out. Beep, 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 beep. Public nervous announcement. Uh-oh. You, you know what that means. 
I've got a public nervous announcement, something I'm a little bit nervous about going into this season. And that player is Antonio Gibson. And before you come at me, like, I know that you all know how I feel about Antonio Gibson. So this segment was actually going to be called Crow Before Cooked because I was starting to feel kind of like I might be going into the 2021 season a little low on Antonio Gibson and as if. So I was going to like, I started looking into it and I was going to eat a little crow before it's cooked while it's still raw inside. And I picked the first player for that segment to be Antonio Gibson. I didn't want to just like come here and throw that at you though. So I started digging into it a little bit to try to like him, to try to like give you my, my, my crow. I was going to eat a little crow here, but the more I looked into the situation Trying my hardest, trying, keyword, trying my hardest to be non-biased against Antonio Gibson. But the more I looked at it, the more I dug in. I'm a little nervous about Antonio Gibson still. And I think he's going to be fine, like, for you on your fantasy teams. This is not me, like, saying to go sell him. (laughs) Not this week. But this is saying, like, maybe we pump the brakes a little bit on Antonio Gibson. But I will add, before we dig into Antonio Gibson too much, that I do think that he is in a good situation to be viable for your fantasy teams. I think they're going to run the ball a lot. I think that he's going to get some passing work. I just don't think Antonio Gibson showed us the consistency that we want to see at this position, given the opportunity that he was giving with the backfield last year and who was there in front of him or nobody nobody was in front of him i mean unless you count week one when peyton barber was rb15 but really nobody in front of gibson in 14 games gibson had 10 starts he was an rb2 or better only 42 percent of those games played six times six times in 14 games he was an RB2 or better. 42%, not even 50% of the times was he an RB2 or better. You know who else was an RB2 or better six times? McKissick. RB2 or better six times. And three of those times was with a healthy Antonio Gibson. And then week 13, 14, and 15, that's the time Gibson missed. We have McKissick as an RB18, RB14, and then an RB6. There's no way McKissick's just going away. They didn't do much to replace that position at all. Then you add in Curtis Samuel. Curtis Samuel's going to take some targets, whether we like it or not. He might even take some carries. I don't think he's going to have the workload he's had the last couple of years. I think 2019, he had 19, 20 carries. And then 2020, I think that number almost doubled. I think that he'll be closer to that like 20 to 30 carries a season type guy. But Curtis Samuel could even get some carries out of that backfield. I wouldn't even be completely surprised to see rookie Jarrett Patterson get a small amount of work. And that's nothing to take away from Antonio Gibson there. Like, that'd be small. But I don't think he's just alone in that offense enough to just propel him up there. Listen, that offense is going to try to as best they can to utilize him. And they might even try to utilize him, like the narrative we're hearing, like Christian McCaffrey. But the truth is... Antonio Gibson is not Christian McCaffrey. He's not going to do as good as Christian McCaffrey does with those opportunities. He's not going to have that high ceiling, that safe floor. He's never going to have that consistency. 
and I'm not seeing anybody's out there trading away Antonio Gibson for Christian McCaffrey, but I've seen some stuff where it's like Antonio Gibson plus for Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying anybody really compares him to that, but I think everybody believes that they can see that. And that's where I've started to kind of just get a little bit more concerned. Then you add in 20% of Antonio Gibson's fantasy points came from week 12. 20% from one week. After week 12, never another touchdown. That was it. He was, he had a, the injured week he left doesn't really count. But after that, he came back. He was RB 31, RB 25. Never another touchdown. He had those three touchdowns in that one week, week 12, and then it was just done. You know, some of the players like Cam Akers, I get that they kind of go out on those high notes and you see the workload that they're getting in important playoff games. We never saw anything like that from Antonio Gibson. We never saw that workload really go up all that much. I I don't know. I just think we need to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on Antonio Gibson. And you know what? Maybe I'll be eating a little bit of crow, but we're going to let it cook for a little bit. Not going to eat that raw crow this week. That said, I do have a value play for you, and we're going to stick right here in Washington. And just based off everything I just said, McKissick is the value play. I think that you could go out and get him relatively cheap. People might even start to drop him. And I think that he could get you some some decent play, especially if Antonio Gibson is banged up again or just isn't all the you think it's going to be because we've seen like very similar weeks. There were those weeks where both running backs played. You look at week five, Gibson was RB 29. McKissick was RB 30. Week six, McKissick RB 16. Gibson RB 28. Week nine, McKissick RB 4. Gibson RB 20. You know, so we've seen McKissick be very viable for your fantasy team while you were falling in love with Gibson. I mean, did you hear the last one? Week 9, RB4 was McKissick. RB20 was Gibson. And you loved Gibson by then. You know you did. You know it's true. So value play, pretty simple for me. After digging into what I dug into just for Gibson, it's McKissick. Go add McKissick to your team. I have a sleeper too, and then we're going to get out of here. I heard that there were no such things as sleepers. I think I found one. I'm going to try to find more. This is hard. To be clear, anybody that's listening, maybe from a redraft, Mind point. I appreciate you a ton. This sleeper is very, very dynasty. It's a dynasty stash, but that's CJ Marble. And I do think that this this may never happen, but I just think he's somebody that you can get for dirt cheap. He could fill that Tariq Cohen role. I know Damian Williams is there now. Damian Williams is the guy. I think he's the handcuff to your David Montgomery. I could see Williams getting a little bit of work, but anybody that knows me knows I've never been a big Damian Williams enthusiast. He's the handcuff to your David Montgomery. If you want to go out and get him for cheap, don't pay too much for Damian Williams. So that's the thing. Damian Williams is going to cost too much for your handcuff because there's too many enthusiasts out there. So stick with CJ Marble. Check your waiver wires. He's probably on them. If you have somebody to stash or somebody you can move to your taxi spot, pick up Marble. Dirt cheap, low expectations. If it doesn't work out, we're going to drop him at some point or if you don't have a taxi, you know. But this is a a deep dynasty stash, my sleeper for this super flexible podcast. I am at Swagzilla0G. Check out at Super Flexible Podcast. Subscribe, download, five-star review. We are 